Awesome admission professionals. This podcast is the Admissions Entrepreneur, a day in the life. I'm your host, Tom Skank. I'm the founder of Dartmouth Associates, and we are the creators of the Results Oriented Recruiting System, otherwise known as ROAR, a proprietary enrollment intervention that integrates entrepreneurial thinking and sales fundamentals to immediately help schools in crisis. We are also the first and only global consultancy to assist K-12 independent schools with their enrollment needs and through integrated multimedia campaigns, introduce schools to companies that bring best-in-class products and services that enhance their recruiting process from around the world. Dartmouth Associates offers 360 enrollment audits, online results-oriented recruiting training, executive admission masterclasses, keynote addresses, conference facilitation, and director placement searches. We also offer three integrated media campaigns designed to both exalt and align admission professionals from around the globe. This podcast, The Admissions Entrepreneur, A Day in the Life, our Roar Magazine, the first ever upscale lifestyle publication for the admission professional, and the San Diego Admission Fest Summit, Power Marketing for the New Era. These diverse campaigns are also designed to offer aggressive sponsorship opportunities for companies wanting to exhibit their products and services to the admission office market. If you need recruiting help or would like to promote your products or services, please email us at dartmouthassociates at gmail.com or go to our website at www.dartmouthassociates.com. Today, we're bringing fun and insights to your profession. We have incredible guests who share their unique life stories with you. So please make sure to catch each and every episode and like, subscribe, and share. Now, let's get started. Well, welcome listeners. This is Tom Skank, your host of the Admissions Entrepreneur, A Day in the Life. And I am delighted to have our next guest with us, Katie Johnson, and I'm going to start off by reading a little bit of her biography. She was raised in Reno and a graduate of Reno High School. After obtaining a degree in business administration and computer science from the University of Oregon, she then worked in the high-tech field in the Bay Area. She then returned to Reno and married and raised two boys. There she worked in a civil engineering company as a land planner. She began working at Brookfield School in 1999. Both of her sons have graduated, one from UNR and the other from UNLV. And now one son, due to COVID, moved back to Reno and is working at the Brookfield School. Brookfield School is a family-owned, women-run business. And you like to say that education is one of the most rewarding professions. Personally, you enjoy sailing on your own ocean-going 46-foot sailboat where you have sailed in Mexico for four years, Alaska in the summer of 2000, or excuse me, 2108, Canada for two years, and visited the islands of Hidaqui and Vancouver Island's west shore in 2017. There you saw bears, wolves, orcas, 
whales right next to the boat. You even caught fish, crabs, and prawns, and scuba dove off the boat. Obviously, you love to scuba dive, snorkel, ski, hike, and stand-up paddleboard, as well as camping, geocaching, and sailing on your other little sailboat. Wow. Katie, thank you so much for being here. You bet. Glad to be here. Katie, I'm going to start off with one question. You're the owner of Brookfield School and a thought leader in education. Can you tell the listeners a little bit about what changes you have seen parents now expect from school where perhaps they didn't before? Yeah, you know, the profile of the parent has changed a lot over the years. And what they expect from a school has changed less than you know. (laughs) You would think that uh, uh, there's a lot of differences, but their basic need of finding the best education for their child and making sure it's a good fit for their child hasn't changed over the years. The biggest fear is their child isn't going to be smart enough to be in your school um, or they might, you know, be a behavior issue or a problem. Their biggest fears are usually unfounded. Um, And what I've heard over the years is the parent concern of the curriculum or structure of what they're being taught where they're currently at is why they're looking for a change. Um, 10 years ago, uh, last uh, few years before that, it was uh, everybody was calling uh, for not being part of the Common Core Standards, um, didn't want to be part of any kind of uh, public education system that was going to uh, direct the curriculum standards and that put them, made them uh, upset um, that they would get these directives down from some kind of federal government. Mm. And of course, as a private independent school, that's one of our selling points is that, you know, we are very independent in what we choose to teach and each school can be very different in what they choose to teach and how they teach it. Um, current, the current fears are things, uh, in California, they're directing some curriculum changes uh, regarding gender equality, regarding uh, the 1914 project. I don't think I have the year right there. Um, and those kind of things are being directed through the, again, through the public systems or through the counties or, or state levels. And the parents are up in arms about that one. So the Common Core is out. You know, the 1914 project is what they're not wanting their children to learn um, and they're looking for an alternative. I guess the basic, uh, what we try to explain to them is, you know, we're here to teach the, uh, back to the three R's, reading, writing, and arithmetic. We'll spend time on subject and we want the uh, course subjects to be taught well and time on subject is where we get our uh, more advanced scores. So we have, you know, top 15% in the country in wow. the test scores. And I've been consistently like that the whole time I've been here. Um, and part of that is spending an hour a day, five days a week on math. It's not a magic 
it's not a magic formula, but it does <laughs> help the parents feel better. We work on penmanship. Um, you know, we still do cursive writing, some of the traditional things, and, and parents are, are pleased to hear that, you know, we still keep with as many textbooks as we can, even though there's been a change in textbooks over the years, um, that the online learning provides some part of the learning process, but just like pen to paper, um, reading out of a textbook is a different kind of learning stimulus too that helps the brain. So I think parents expect to be able to uh, know what their children are learning. And we try to stay very neutral and try to stay politically neutral and, and emphasize that, you know, that we're not here for any agendas. We're just here for basic education. I, I was delighted to hear that you focus on penmanship. <laughs> uh, <that's, laughs> I mean, it's almost a lost art, but uh, as I've said to many people, you can immediately distinguish yourself if number one, you know how to, you know how to write a good sentence, but that you actually put it to put pen to paper. Um, people don't send notes anymore. Yeah, thank you notes are even a thing of the past, you know. Um, but yes, the brain research shows you know that you learn different. Everybody learns a little differently, and uh, you may uh, learn in cursive, you may learn in print. Doesn't matter, but the process of putting pen to paper is part of the. Uh, one of the ways that you learn. Some people learn better that way, some people not, but it's still one of the processes that you have to keep in place. Transferring from the board to the paper is also a process, you know, learning how to transfer what you see on the board down to a piece of paper. Sometimes it's a little more difficult than you would expect, but it is. And like you said, it, it really depends upon what kind of learning styles a particular student has. Right. We've given Chromebooks, you know, with COVID, we've got Chromebooks third through eighth grade. Every child has a Chromebook. So the amount of pen to paper is reduced somewhat. Um, but we still get we still get some handwritten assignments. Sure. Sure. No, I understand. Uh, one of the things we talked about was while you are an independent school, um, you are also if I'm using the term correctly, a proprietary school. In other words, uh, you have to, you're not a nonprofit. You have to take close look at your uh, finances all the time because it is in fact the business. Can you talk a little bit about what advantages you feel you bring to education as a proprietary school, whereas a nonprofit school would not be able to do that? This episode is sponsored by School Connections. The idea is simple, affordable and meaningful venues for traditional boarding schools, therapeutic schools, and domestic and international educational consultants to come together for informational and networking purposes. This process ultimately leads to the successful placing of students into the most compatible environments. School Connections workshops involve multiple individual meetings between educational consultants and admissions representatives from schools and programs. Their workshops range from two to three days and allow attendees to maximize their time with individual appointments in one workshop in one location. I know from experience, School Connections is a fantastic program. And if you are looking for students, please reach out to them at schoolconnections.org. That's schoolconnections.org. Um, 
I think a lot of proprietary schools uh, have a similar profile like us, you know, small family run. Um, and as I tell the parents, I like to explain that, that we are the board and we can implement change and affect change by the next day. Mm. So we can be more nimble on our feet. We can make it better and make it right for the child in, uh, in a much faster turnaround, um, make adjustments with the teacher, make adjustments in the classroom, um, add uh, whatever the child might need or take away if they're getting too much. <laughs> if Spanish and Chinese are too much, you know, we can, we can streamline their situation. Um, we, uh, we can be more nimble with our teachers and what they offer and what they want to do, I think. Um, so I think flexibility um, and uh, being able to affect change in a, in a very timely manner. Um, as my mom always said, you know, the 180 days are a very precious countdown. And every day is super valuable in a child's education. Every day of the 180 days. So we don't like to waste any of them for anything that's not productive. So I think we can be a much more, uh, like I say, flexible and, and responsive environment for the parent and for the child. You talked a little bit about, on one level, you kind of are a back to basics, teaching the three R's, a lot of time on task. Can you talk about some of what you feel are some of the innovative things that you're doing? Yeah, I think it's exciting that we always try, uh, I guess it's always, I, I want to say always, but um, as long as I've been here, we've always done things like uh, hands-on science, keeping uh, engineering alive, um, the STEM kind of products that they talk about today, we've always had in place. Um, and now, you know, it's just a separate engineering course for the middle school or fifth or eighth grade students. Really? But, yeah, but spend more time in, besides the core sciences, is you have the engineering, which is, you know, physics and, and building bridges and coding on computers and, you know, the whole, whole multi-level of uh, what engineering looks like in the younger grades. It looks like hands-on science, um, but it is more of a in uh, mechanical and uh, physical kind of uh, product, whether it be the the Legos or the or the computer program programming of the robotics, you know the or even now with three D printers, you know they get to build something. Um, kids get quite excited with all of those things. Um, I'm always surprised when I tour other schools across the country how much they can get done. Um, on a much smaller basis or a smaller budget compared comparatively. Um, I remember the school in Chicago, they were even building like a little race car. It was like a high school, of course, but still it was, <laughs> it was a big car. They were doing amazing things. So what we can get done uh, is uh, with a smaller amount of resources or a smaller amount of uh, footprint, we can still get quite a bit done. Um, Oops, got sound here going. The, the computer uh, technology is where I came from anyway, so I brought computers into the school way back in 99. We've always had laptops and uh, computer classes. 
I found that over the years that screen time for the children have gotten a bit excessive. So as my kids went through the school, I got less with the older kids having screen time because I think it's sometimes too much. Even on the iPads, I find that the students, I guess it'd be third grade on down right now, can do better on their test scores on an iPad than they can on a traditional computer just because they're more comfortable with the iPad and the mm -hmm. tablet format. You know, they can answer their questions more efficiently and uh, in a better format. So the the format of our technology, you know, from fourth grade on up compared to third grade on down is going to look great. The computer lab is going to look a lot different here over the next few years as I keep piling up our desktop computers in the corner. Every year, more and more computer desktops pile up in the corner and more iPads are at every desk or every teacher's desk or tablets. So technology changes, but we have uh, we have some great programs to offer uh, our parents. Right now we're working on springtime. So the science, the hands-on science projects are more bugs and planting and uh, growing plants and getting, you know, springtime sprung, so to speak. Caterpillars and, caterpillars and butterflies and uh, ant farms and those kind of things that the kids are all growing. We just do our Earth Day, which they all plant flowers and try to keep them watered and growing too. So it's fun. It sounds as though uh, not just you all, but, but, the, but philosophically among proprietary schools is that real sense of real-time freedom. If you see a situation that needs to be changed, it can be changed literally, as you said, the next day, if need be. Well, yeah, and be, to be able to react upon that and say, oh, look, you know, this uh, this first grade group, you know, isn't excelling as well on their reading scores as we would have hoped. You know, let's implement a uh, after-school reading lab for them for, you know, six or eight weeks, and we can really, you know, bring them up to up to par we usually offer fall and spring reading labs for different age group kids just depending uh to get their phonics skills and reading skills in place um with an advanced curriculum like ours it's really important the the kids are you're at a reading and you can't continue with the learning process until they get to that point <laughs> so the sooner we get our students reading and uh the faster we can start advancing them. So um, you're right. I think we do stay nimble and we do uh, try to respond with the teachers and with the uh, students and, and whatever format we can do to help improve their education. One of, the, one of the issues, getting back to your statement about how everybody learns differently, do you co-mingle your classes? Say you've got uh, someone with fairly severe uh, learning differences, shall we say. Uh, do you have special programs for them or is it all part of the regular coursework that they're taking? This episode is sponsored by the Independent Educational Consultants Association. It is the largest and most respected organization representing independent educational consultants. An IECA member educational consultant is a skilled professional who provides counseling to help students and families choose a school that is a good personal match, one that will foster the student's academic and social growth. IECA members adhere to the strictest ethical 
ethical standards in the profession, visit hundreds of campuses each year, and are among the most experienced educational consultants in the profession. They focus on finding the best match between student and school. Many schools have gained students from new communities because of their outreach to IECA members. Personally, I was a director of admissions for 20 years, and the IECA consultants were crucial in helping me find the best mission-appropriate students. They are fantastic people to work with. In fact, national and regional media, as well as government agencies, rely on IECA as the authority of the profession. IECA is consistently cited by the media as the association with ethical, student-centered advising. For more information on how to connect with IECA members, go to iecaonline.com. That's iecaonline.com. We do have a couple special pull-outs, but it's for gifted and talented students. It's for the GNT. And we find that uh, teaching phonics to kindergarten or first graders that are reading at a third or fourth or fifth grade level is in a productive use of their time. And so we try to offer some gifted and talented programs to move them along at a higher level. Um, otherwise, we test every student before admittance. So we're pretty confident of everybody's ability in the classroom. Um, and, uh, try to keep the core class running at a nice, uh, pretty brisk pace without any interruption or pull up or change. So if, if a student needed as from the, the testing uh, some specialized attention, you would be able to tell the parents right there, this might not be the fit for your child. Yeah, and or let's add some time at the before school or after school in their day with tutors or with what we think would be best for them to see if there's an opportunity for them to catch up or, or to move along. Um, even, uh, I'd say 99% of the students, you know, can all work cohesively. I think that we have found if we try to do any kind of pullouts for students that are lagging behind, it just does not help in their overall learning experience because they need to be with their class and moving at the same pace. And then what we can do before after school might be more productive than trying to remove them during the school day. I see. Might, might be a failure on the public system of how they try to handle sure. at different levels because they could spend all day in pullouts and never learn anything so to speak. And they're never moving with their class. Yes, uh, I understand. Um, obviously, when when you run a school, you also wear the, wear the admissions hat sometimes. Um, what are some of the toughest questions you get from parents these days as they're comparing you perhaps to other schools? I'd say uh, the toughest parents are usually educators or people in the field. Uh -huh. um, the toughest parents usually um, try to really drill down into some of the details that it would be more up to the teachers of that classroom, um, how things are going to flow and how things look and feel. They do. Uh, I think in general, you know, we have sophisticated parents. Um, they're entrepreneurs themselves. 
They are uh, usually, like you say, shopping. They know uh, what their different options are. Mm-hmm. And I always tell parents, even if they're from out of state or coming into town, that you know the easiest sell is to come and watch how the classroom is singing and it sells itself. It's so much easier than me talking a lot. <laughs> Just see how the classrooms are running. Families or parents that come from uh, classrooms, public school classrooms, uh, are always amazed at how much learning is going on. You know, because we don't have the pull-outs or we don't have the distractions. Um, one of the cardinal rules from my mother is, you know, the nine to noon is sacred and nothing interrupts that schedule. The reading and the writing and the arithmetic are sacred. Our day on each subject and nobody messes with the schedule in the mornings. There's no special assemblies. There's nothing happening in the mornings. We don't hardly make any announcements. You know, this is their core math and reading time and uh, they get snap break and that's what they get. <laughs> in the last, uh, I say 10 years now, we added a, a specialty program in the mornings um, called violin. And so we have a music program uh, K through uh, eight now, it was K through four or five, but now we have orchestra on the older kids. And the justification of putting in a special, like a musical instrument like this is a cross brain activity. And violin happens to be one of those left and right hand cross brain activities that really help with math and reading scores. So the uh, besides music being helpful also, um, and all of our violin teachers were in the orchestra and worked nights. And so it was it just the time of day eight to noon was always our violin time. And we started this program, I don't know, about 10 years ago now. And uh, very successful. Uh, parents love it. Great uh, response. Kids don't have to continue with an instrument if they don't like it past, you know, fourth grade or so, third or fourth grade. But it really helps with rhythm and music. And again, I think it's a great cross-brain activity. So we do uh, slightly interrupt their morning schedule. And I've also found with the middle school students interrupting that morning a little bit with something like PE or art is helpful for the middle school brain because they're, sometimes they're not ready to learn at eight o'clock in the morning. <laughs> yes, yes, absolutely. <laughs> now, as a school and as a business, uh, you need to get the word out um, because marketing is always a big, big deal for people in admissions. Uh, what do you, what do you find or, or what uh, programs do you use to, market the school so people will know that you're there when they I've come. I've been up. doing marketing and admissions since the day I started here and I've always amazed me um, being in the Reno area since the 70s being a small proprietary private school really uh, before the population even called for it and still being one of the only ones in Reno um, over the 30 years you know 40 years we've been in business since Brookfield Sacramento started in 1962. There's still a lot of people that have never heard of us in town. Um, West Coast is less private school oriented. So Mm -hmm. people just assume they're going to their neighborhood public school and have never looked for anything uh, else. Um, I think there's a few things that helped us over the years. And safety and security, uh, the small campus, 
you know, with the fear of uh, school uh, violence um, has brought more people down to a smaller private school with a much tighter security system. The uh, cuts of budgets in the public systems around here has also brought uh, long-term uh, public school families looking because they no longer have art or PE or some of those specialties in their public school system. Um, even some of the gifted and talented programs and those kind of things were being cut. Uh, I think it was across the nation, um, but it was happening here in this town. So that really helped us um, exposure wise. And I think word of mouth and having our cheerleaders are the best marketing that we can ever always and ever have. Sure. So uh, making sure you have a good uh, exit interview if you know why they might be moving on or leaving you, making sure you know you uh, have the highest quality teachers. Um, so your reputation over the years has always been, they know that you have the highest quality in the neighborhood, whether it's public or private or charter. You know, the uh, charter schools are probably our largest competition over the years. And I see that it is still the small, uh, safe, secure, caring environment that brings people back to us. Well, it seems as though, getting back to what you were talking about regarding the best way to sell the school is just to have the parents walk in a classroom. That, that speaks volumes to your confidence in what you're doing. Now, obviously, it takes a lot of time to do this successfully. Uh, you know, you, you seem very calm uh, today, and, uh, and I'm sure there's a lot of things going on. All so, right. Here's another thing my mother always said. <laughs> you can tell a person on how busy they are, but, you know, how many keys are on their key ring in the school? <laughs> you know, um, I went to a seminar once, and they said, you know, they have scientists and rocket scientists and engineers figure out how to keep a toilet working in the space but you know this is one job that directors of private schools will always have to do and that's having a whole ring of keys and always punching toilets because it's something they've never figured out how to fix <laughs> and so there's many jobs that we have to handle as a as a director and uh you as my mom always said, we should uh, we should start a book because it's always amazing what the kids come up with. So it's quite a fun job, I think, um, entertaining every day because there's always kids around to entertain. Have you ever, have you ever considered writing a book? <laughs> oh yeah, my mom. I should get my mom on that because you can't you can't make some of this stuff up. No, no, that's right. That's it's right. just amazing what these kids come up with, or the parents, or you know, the teachers. Now, before we started the podcast, you and I chatted a little bit about your extremely uh, active life. Uh, but obviously, you've got to you've got to run the school. How do you organize your day? How do you stay sane? How do you stay focused? And and still at the end of the day, saying, "Yeah, I, I had, I got to everything I needed to get to." Are you a list maker? Do you get up real early? What's a day like for you? Yeah. Used to always uh, run a list, um, and back in the day, I would. Uh, back in the day, I currently work late or come in early, depending because you don't have the distractions of the day to day. 
but I've been lucky with, you know, having the uh, director running the school. I get less day-to-day -day interruptions than I used to. Um, but putting out fires all day long is kind of kind of in the job of being a director of the school. Whether it's a boo-boo or a band-aid or calling a parent or, uh, you know, going out to the field to see what kind of uh, disaster happened out there on the backfield for the kids. Um, <laughs> there's always something to keep you moving. And that's what I was sold the position on with my son joining us is, you know, you don't have to sit in a seat behind a computer all day long, that it keeps you young and active and there's always something fun to do. And if you're getting bored, you go down the hall and listen to them play violin. They've been practicing Star Wars for the last three weeks. I mean, if I hear that Star Wars thing song one more time, <laughs> and I can tell you right now, fifth graders are the Star Wars things. It's not that attractive of a sound. <laughs> but I'll, I'll never forget recorders, so at least we don't have recorders blasting down the hall. Because those drove me even more nuts. Um, and then you want a real reprieve, you go down to the little kids, you know, you get to go watch the little kids play. So it's always fun around here. I think what keeps you sane, though, is uh, knowing that the list will never be done. <laughs> it's not going to be done by the end of the day. You can't work late and finish it all. So, you know, having that it's there to come back to the next day um, and making sure it's not keeping you up at night. I think the, uh, the skill and talent to surviving this job is uh, not taking things too personally or not making, keeping, letting things keep you up at night. Um, yeah. To be able to come back with a fresh coat, fresh bucket of enthusiasm, because you need that bucket filled every day to to uh, to take on the the tasks at hand. So right now we're on year end tasks. Year end tasks are things like graduation for the eighth graders and uh, year end awards and all the fun things year-end field day and it's a great time these last two weeks before we let out for summer so i think all the tasks at hand are quite fun that's a great phrase fresh bucket of enthusiasm <laughs> because we know the kids are going to bring it <laughs> <laughs> well yeah spring is spring around here so that enthusiasm it, it shines its light in many ways <laughs> well i can imagine and with COVID, you know, we haven't had any field trips all year long. So this June 1st opening has gotten quite excited. So we've got kids going on field trips, you know, once a week, at least the older kids, our middle school kids, so they can get out of the building for the first time all year. This episode is brought to you by ISCA. Does your board chair know about ISCA, the Independent School Chairpersons Association? The mission of ISCA is to support independent school board chairs in becoming effective governance leaders for their boards. ISCA accomplishes this by offering peer support and networking resources and educational opportunities. Get your board chair connected to ISCA today by visiting iscachairs.org. That's I-S-C-A-C-H-A-I-R-S dot org. I-S-C-A-C-H-A-I-R-S dot org. Getting back to the, the proprietary schools, uh, is this a growing market? Is this something that's going to 
taper off with successive generations? What do you see in the future? I see it always being here. I see it always being in need. Um, I would hope that there is uh, that entrepreneurship spirit in all of our families saying, but wait, I don't need the cardboard cutout textbook uh, government run uh, way of thinking that they know how to do things <laughs> um, for our teachers I think it's uh, reprieve because there is not the ton of structure and paperwork involved as there is out there um, it's a much more creative environment for the teacher it's a much more creative environment for the student um, I don't see it going away anytime soon it might be a growing business. Um, I always talk to the proprietary school owners and they always seem to be building another building. So I think there is a, there is a need always in the community. I, I would assume that you probably have been involved in mentoring some new, new school startups at some point in your career. Well, I think my sister more than I. Um, um, as being part of the National Independent Private Schools Association, the NIPSA, uh, I have toured schools all over the country for accreditation. Ah. But um, the mentoring process, um, they usually call on us for help if they need help. Um, they are more, I haven't done it as much as, as my sister or other people in the organization have. Well, you've seen a lot over the course of your life and tenure as an educator. Society's got a lot of challenges. I guess one could say they will always have challenges, but what do you feel are some of the greatest challenges that uh, these kids coming into the world are going to face? And what do you think education can do to prepare them for that? I was surprised at how much... Uh, I think structurally uh, around us, our environment that COVID may affect some change in our lives that we weren't expecting. Um, and I think we very clearly saw that the educational process is more than just reading the textbook or looking through a Zoom camera because of the social interaction necessary, learning how to get along with people in the classroom, the social uh, uh, growth that goes on when you're in a classroom is immeasurable. And I don't think anybody appreciated it until we got back into school uh, last June and been running in-person learning uh, this whole year, September through now. And nine, I think we're 100% back. All of our distance learners have come back to uh, school. We usually had one to three in each classroom. Mm -hmm. And over the last month or two, uh, they have been joining us in person. Mm. Oh, I think we're down to maybe maybe one or two in the whole school is still doing distance learning. But the amount of education and time lost um, is easily seen on the test scores from the students. But uh, they had a huge academic jump from... September to winter, September till now, um, higher than the uh, testing would have predicted 
because I think the lack of progress last spring, because everything was mm-hmm. remote learning from from March on to June, and we didn't see that it was very productive learning time. Um, and so we had a lot of parents coming back for the summer, and then of course uh, opening up in person in the fall has really helped a lot. I think the kids, it's the first time I've ever seen middle schoolers thankful. <laughs> and I've taught middle school. I and they thanked me from day one, walking through that door. They were so excited to be here. So excited to be in person. So excited to be around friends. I can't tell you I've never seen such a positive group of middle schoolers in all of my years. And I think that speaks volumes to what the student needs. They know what they need. Um, and they, uh, they thrive even in their small learning environment that they get here. Um, they thrive with that camaraderie and having, uh, having their friends in the classroom. Um, so let me get back. What was the question? I think I've diverted. <laughs> I've, I've lost myself. What was I answering? What, was oh. what, what do you feel are some of the greatest societal <laughs> challenges we have in front of us and what can education do to help? I don't think it's changed that much over the years. I think, you know, even with tech and tech introduction and everything, I think we need to have our, like you said, penmanship, you know, pen to paper. I think a lot of the classics to help help these students learn is what will, my target is to get them to be the most productive and uh, ready to go for high school. But I think that dovetails with being ready to go into college and the student has to be, uh, you know, ready to learn and have good work ethic. And I think that's what we breed. That's what we try to uh, teach, you know, is that work ethic. And, um, but that's part of the homework schedule. That's part of, you know, getting to school every day on time and, um, you know, uh, learning in the classroom, uh, you know, the pen to paper, all of those work ethic things to make them better citizens. I think our goal is to have productive citizens in this community and in this world. Somebody once said that a big part of life is showing up on time. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. All you got to do is just show up, be there. Yeah. Let me, uh, Let me paint a picture. Let's say there's a billboard of life. There is one billboard that every single human being is going to drive past. Um, What do you want that billboard to say? That's a good question. I don't know. Life is short. Make every moment count. I think, you know, family first. I think there's uh, the basic be kind. uh, Be kind to your neighbors and what is it? The golden rule. Yeah. Yeah. Might be something like the golden rule. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Doesn't have to get much more complicated than that, does it? Exactly. It's kind of like showing up. (laughs) (laughs) Kind of like being on time, right? Katie, you've been absolutely delightful to share your time with us. Um, I know for the listeners that you've been able to clarify a lot of questions they may have about proprietary schools and just knowing the kind of person you are uh, through this talk. Is there anything that you'd like to say or, or finish with or anything you want to let people know that you feel is important that you haven't touched on yet? Well, I don't know. Let me think about 
about that. <laughs> I think that it is important to have passion for what you're doing. And that passion always shows through whether you're interviewing a new family for admissions or uh, talking with someone on the phone. If they know you have a passion for your work, um, it, it like, like walking into the classroom, it sells itself. It's super easy. And that makes, you know, the whole job fun. You shouldn't be doing it if you're not having fun. Well, I, I think that uh, hopefully all good educators have that approach every single day. And it sounds like whatever you're doing, you've certainly got the right people who do that with the kids. You bet. That's our job. That's my job. Get the right people in their classroom. And the teachers, you know, wave their magic around that classroom all day long, every day. Bless their hearts. They're with those kids all day long. They have my greatest reverie. I, I, I bless them every day because I'm, I'm so glad that they're in that classroom with the students because it couldn't be me. <laughs> well, it's a it's certainly a team effort. And obviously, the success of the school over the many years has been because of, I think, started with your, your mom and her passion. And, and clearly, given all the, the references you've made to your mom, that's gone on to Obviously, your generation, and from what I understand, uh, your children are now going to be helping at the school as well. So what a wonderful legacy. Yeah, it's great going from uh, going to a three-generation business. I think it's real exciting for us as owners and uh, operators of the school. And I think the parents look for that consistency, too. You know, they want to see that you know, what they're buying over the years is still the same, so to speak. You know, That's the, right. the head of school hasn't changed its direction of the school greatly, which puts parents into a tizzy. You know, if, if there's a, I hear it anyway, if there's a new head of school somewhere and they're not running the school the way the parents are comfortable with, you know, they start shopping. Yep. That's right. I, and I think for parents, as you alluded to earlier, um, there are a lot of changes out there. And if they can find a place that's going to give them personally, as well as their children, a sense of consistency, that's going to be very attractive. Absolutely. Well, I, again, I want to uh, thank you for your incredible time and, and, and sharing of your thoughts, wisdom, and insights. And let's, uh, let's do this again. You and bet. So I, I, I wish you also uh, a fabulous time on your next sailing trip. Do you have something planned? Oh, my husband just left this morning to go down to the boat to receive delivery from Taiwan because we got some new seat cushions for our cockpit. So we're quite excited. <laughs> and, uh, we had plans to go maybe down to the Channel Islands this summer, but they might divert to just go over to the Delta or something a little closer at the end in San Francisco. Um, keeping the boat close at hand. It's really hard with none of the borders open and you can't go much farther yet. Yeah. So yeah. COVID, you know, starts disappearing in farther places. It's not going very far yet. Well, it seems like uh, whatever the situation, you're going to find some way to have some fun and excitement. Absolutely. <laughs> well, I, I wish you a tremendous uh, rest of the spring and, and a great time and a safe time for all of your children and families. And again, thank you very much and, and have a terrific day, Katie. You bet. Thank you. 
If you enjoy the podcast, please consider leaving a short review on your favorite platform. It takes less than 60 seconds and it really makes a difference in helping to convince those hard to get guests. Also, I really love reading the reviews. Lastly, please explore the full range of our recruiting services, guest opportunities, memberships, newsletters, past shows, and our exciting promotional campaigns for 2021. Through this podcast, Roar Magazine, the first ever lifestyle publication for admission professionals that launches this summer, and Admission Fest Summit, power marketing for the new era. This summit will be held in San Diego on December 5th. Please go to our website for all details at www.dartmouthassociates.com. That's www.dartmouthassociates.com. Thank you again for being part of our wonderful membership, and I wish you an absolutely terrific day. This episode is sponsored by the Ninjagram app. Let's talk about automating your social media with the Ninjagram app over at www.ninjagram.app. This Instagram software will help you automate and grow your Instagram following fast by using their auto follow, auto unfollow, auto comment, auto like, and auto story views feature, and much more. Get over to www.ninjagram.app today to purchase and download the Ninjagram app at www.ninjagram.app and start growing your Instagram following fast today. Also, I want to give a shout out to my producers over at Hype Music Network and jwattproduction.com. These guys produce all my episodes and I trust no one else to bring the quality performance I demand every time. If you need help with your first podcast, they will take you by the hand and guide you through the whole process. Visit them at hypemusicnetwork.com. That's H-Y-P-E M-U-S-I-C-N-E-T-W-O-R-K.com and at jwattproduction.com. That's J-A-Y-W-A-T-P-R-O-D-U-C-T-I-O-N.com. You will not be disappointed.